From the Tulsa World, this is the OU Sports Extra Podcast, sponsored by Albert G's Barbecue. Here are your hosts, Eric Bailey and Mason Young. Well, just because the football season is complete, that doesn't mean everything doesn't everything stops moving. Hi, Eric and Mason here. Uh, our first 2024 podcast. Mason, Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you, too. We get, we got a, it was a good finish to 2023, and we got a lot of other good stuff coming in 2024, so I'm looking forward to it. A uh, lot of news, uh, even though, you know, after coming off the, the bowl game, the bowl trip, the disappointing loss to Arizona, uh, a lot of transfer movement, and a lot of, and we're going to be doing this a lot, looking forward to the SEC and what holds uh, for the Sooners moving forward. Uh, Oklahoma, you know, after the bowl game, I kind of broke down what was going on with Oklahoma in terms of their schedule. Seven of their eight opponents, Mason, made a bowl last year. Uh, including two Alabama and Texas that were in the college football playoff. So nothing's going to be easy in this first year in the SEC. No, you kind of, you kind of broke it down in a, in a story you wrote uh, this morning for, for our website, uh, you know, just how much easier it looks like Texas is, is them only having to face, I think three bowl teams this year. So uh hopefully some some righteous di- uh, indignation from OU fans is is getting people thinking and talking about that a little bit what are some of the what what are some of the other numbers of interest from that well you know when they were putting the schedule together back in June when they announced the eight opponents for Oklahoma in their first year of the SEC uh, the SEC announced that they were to help they wanted to keep traditional rivalries and then they based everything on a winning percentage of the past basically 12 years since um, everything was shuffled in 2012. So what the SEC did is they went through each conference record for all the schools, and they kind of used that as a blueprint of what to um, use for, you know, strength of schedule. So in Oklahoma's case, um, in Texas as well, they went to the strength of schedule for the Big 12 conference play. And uh, when you break it down, Oklahoma had easily the best winning percentage in the, in the Big 12. It was uh, 786. And that counts the three and six year that they had in Brent Venable's first season. Uh, if they go just six and two, I think their average is around eight eight thirty. Uh, Alabama, of course, eight eighty nine. It's an incredible winning percentage for the SEC over the last dozen years. Uh, Georgia's second, seven ninety eight. Oklahoma, seven eighty six. When you look at Texas, Texas' winning percentage in the Big Twelve is incredible over the last dozen years. And we look at the current strength of that team and that program, but over. The last 12 years, Texas's winning percentage was 52%, which is really just, you, you want to say average. That's what it was. It was average. And, um, but Oklahoma, they have seven of the eight schools on the schedule in the SEC went to bowl games. The only one that didn't was South Carolina. And uh, they have uh, Tulane. They have Tennessee. I mean, excuse me. They have Tennessee. They have Auburn. They have Texas. They have Ole Miss. They have Missouri. They have Alabama. They have LSU. Seven schools that played in the bowl. You look at this; it's it's a tough schedule. Yeah, I mean, it. We've talked often about just our excitement for all the all the venues that we're going to get to visit this year following OU. But uh, these games are going to be equally exciting, right? I mean, after all the the recruiting battles and whatnot that have gone on between OU and Missouri, you know, in the in the past X months. You know, it's going to be really fascinating to see what the what the tone and the attitude of, of that game is. And, and obviously, you know, Ole Miss, uh, 
what they've done in the portal. They seem like, you know, they're a, a lot more impressive team and are really kind of pushing all their chips in. So OU's going to gonna have some so their work cut out for them. And even Alabama coming to Norman, I mean, that's going to be – that's going to be an insane game. You know, we saw all year Alabama continue to get uh, better and better up up until, you know, winning the SEC championship and making the college football playoff. And they're bringing back a lot of pieces next year and, as it as it seems right now. So uh, as, as you've, you know, laid out, OU is in for some really tough games. But, you know, that's that's going to make it all the more interesting versus, you know, playing the West Virginia's of the world and, 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 uh, you know, those games always being uh, blowouts and, you know, playing a bad TCU team and whatnot. Uh, these matchups are going to be a lot more fun. It's funny. Last June when I was at a board of regents meeting, uh, it was the same day that they announced Oklahoma's opponents for the, for the first time. And, uh, Joe Castiglione was at that meeting and I had a chance to talk to Joe after the announcement. He, of course, he knew going in who the opponents were. So this was his first public comments after they announced the eight schools for Oklahoma. And my question was, was it easy to, just to read into that Oklahoma's schedule was tough because of just how strong their record was against Big 12 competition over the last 12 years? Joe's quote is, I actually think it's more important to read into every university schedule as balanced. Yes, I'm sure our success created a weighted factor in the algorithm that they used as it would for other programs that have demonstrated success over the last decade like Oklahoma, but they also worked hard to try to create a balance, a level of balance as best they can. Uh, the elimination divisions in the SEC allow the schedule matrix to be fair and balanced as you go forward in the upcoming years. So Joe wasn't really concerned about the, the schedule, the strength of schedule. Of course, we couldn't predict back in June that seven of the eight schools would make the bowl. Uh, but that's exactly what happened. And again, the only one that they're not going to have a bowl, a game against, uh, or excuse me, a game against a team that didn't make a bowl is South Carolina. So it's just strange how, not strange, that's the wrong word. It's really interesting to see how Oklahoma is going to really navigate this first year of conference play. Uh, this is going to be eight tough weeks of football for the Sooners. Right, right. And that, uh, that South Carolina matchup, will also kind of be interesting of the element of Shane Beamer coming back to Norman and and him, you know, playing against, uh, you know, the last place where he was an assistant coach before he took that head coaching job at South Carolina. And he's obviously always been uh, very good to the media. And so uh, that it'll be interesting for that element, but the rest of those are just, they're, they're going to be dogfights week in and week out, it seems like. And we mentioned Texas. They only have three games against bowl opponents in conference play next year. Uh, Oklahoma, of course, is one of those. Georgia's the other. Uh, so, you, in our, um, you, but five of the eight teams they're going to play didn't make a bowl game. Had losing records in, in and uh, that's Texas's first year in the uh, in the conference. It's going to be easier path, I guess, if you go up those numbers as well as LSU. The LSU only plays three bowl opponents in twenty twenty four. Uh, Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and AM play play four bowl opponents. Auburn, Kentucky, Mississippi State play five. Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, and South Carolina play six bowl opponents. And OU and Vanderbilt get seven bowl opponents. Poor Vanderbilt. I, I mean, their winning percentage over the last twenty years or twelve years uh, since realignment in twenty twelve uh, is 
23.6%. So, you know, that that is a low number and they're rewarded with seven bowl opponents in 2024. So uh, Oklahoma, of course, isn't one of those schools. Uh, one of these days we'll go to Nashville and cover a game, though, Mason. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that would be really cool. And to your point of LSU having that, you know, softy schedule, they're going to need it because they pretty much, you know, just got rid of their entire defensive staff yesterday. And Brian Kelly's doing that thing over. So uh, that's, I mean, that's another, going to be another crazy game is OU against LSU in Baton Rouge during rivalry week and potentially a night game as well. We'll see if that pans out, uh, but that's going to be, a, you know, another, another absurd game as well. Among the uh, departures from LSU, uh, familiar face to Oklahoma fans, Kerry Cooks. Kerry Cooks was a, a secondary coach for Brian Kelly at LSU, of course, was at Oklahoma uh, earlier in his career, he came from Notre Dame, in fact, to come to Oklahoma, and uh, he was let go by Brian Kelly yesterday as well. Well, Mason, as we go forward, uh, transfer portal season hasn't ended, and Oklahoma continues to draw uh, talent from uh, transfer graduates. In fact, just moments before this podcast began, uh, got a kicker, and you got to write a little bit about him, and it's pretty telling uh, that Oklahoma went and pulled a kicker. And I'll just let you break this down. Uh, talk a little bit about Oklahoma's new addition to its roster. You're right. It is very, very telling. Um, Tyler Keltner from Florida State has announced that he's committed to OU and was not the starter at Florida State. Kicked uh, quite literally just one extra point last season. Really didn't see much time at all. Uh, despite being a, a, Tallahassee, a Tallahassee native uh, playing for the college team in his hometown. But before that, four years at East Tennessee State, was twice in all Southern Conference selection, and uh, 75 perfect on extra points, 75% on his field goals. And I think OU will probably take that right now because, as you alluded to, this year was a major struggle for OU in the kicking department. Zach Schmidt, second season as the starter, Second straight season with six missed field goals. He's only 70% for his career uh, at OU. And and obviously, uh, it seemed like this year, OU really, unfortunately, had no other option uh, because Gavin Marshall was injured. And for whatever reason, uh, Reddy Mustafa Raj, the third string kicker, did not receive any opportunities. So now OU is, is really packing things into this kicker room. Uh, you've got Keltner coming in to provide some immediate competition as a grad transfer. And OU is also has also signed Liam Evans, who's from Moore High School. He's uh, rated by the Coles uh, Kicking Recruiting Service as the number seven kicker nationally in, in the class of 2024. And so that room is going to going to be a lot more competitive and it's it's going to be really tough for uh, as as tough a year as he had and as much as it seemed like he struggled with confidence for Zach Schmidt to retain his job with uh, two fresh faces coming in that are going to be ready to to fight for that starting spot right away. Oklahoma has added eight players to the portal uh, when we add him to this mix. Not done yet. Uh, when we look at this, there's a couple key players to watch, a couple edge players to watch. Um, can't get enough a defensive player especially on the line I think that's the key um can you talk and break down a little bit of the edge players that Oklahoma is looking at including a, a young man who 
has a different last name than when he started his college career. Yeah, pretty fascinating. The uh, not sure what played into it, but the name change from Nick Carraway to Nick Skirton, which he's now one of the top players available in the portal, an edge rusher from Purdue who led the Big Ten uh, in sacks last season. And we've seen on Twitter, Dion Burks, the uh, wide receiver, one of the top receivers in the portal that OU got for uh, Purdue, has been lobbying on social media uh, for his uh, former Purdue teammate to come join him at OU. And uh, that would be obviously a major addition for OU. He's uh, he's scheduled uh, to visit on Saturday. Uh, I think the big question will be, what is his what is his fit uh, in their scheme because he's more of a you know a, tr- a stand-up edge rusher than he is a defensive end. And to be honest, that was kind of supposed to be uh, Desan McCullough's role this season. That's all he did as a freshman All-American in Indiana was just blitz, blitz, blitz. And oh, you really didn't use him that way at all from its cheetah, cheetah position. And, and so it'll be interesting to see if that feels like a fit for Skirton and, and what he wants to do. Uh, that'll be interesting to monitor. And, and then the other guy that's already visited, visited yesterday is, is uh, Caden Woolard from Miami, Ohio. Uh, would be, you know, the second straight off season that OU's added a Miami, Ohio player. It, obviously, Caleb Schaefer, the reserve offensive lineman coming from there last year and having some decent contributions for OU uh, playing in the Red River uh, rivalry game against Texas and and also starting the bowl game uh, against Arizona. And uh, Woolard's just, you know, another piece. They've already got a, they've, they've already got, you know, some good stuff coming back on the edge. Ethan Downs has said he'll be back. It looks like Trace Ford will be back. You know, there will be more opportunities moving forward for our Mason Thomas and for PJ Adebaure, who, you know, are young guys that OU really likes. But if you could add somebody with the experience and, and the proven track record of Skirton or Woolard and you have the, the scholarship to give, then why not? Why not go ahead and, and build that defense up a little bit more? I should have looked at this before asking this question. First day of school, our first day of school at OU is at the 18th. I think we're two weeks away, I want to say. That sounds about right. Yeah, I think that's right, because uh, next week, uh, or the 18th, I'm sorry, I'm looking at, at December calendar. I still haven't changed my calendar, Mason. Um, let's see, would that be, yeah, a couple weeks. We're still a couple weeks out, I guess. So we'll see what happens in terms. I, I know Oklahoma will want to get a lot of these portal guys on campus as quick as possible to go through spring drills, so. Uh, moving to the basketball front, let, let's start with the women real quick. I'll just kind of go over them real quick. Big win for the Sooners last night, 75-63 at BYU. In control the whole game, 18-8 um, after the first quarter and kind of just kept that du- double-digit lead. Uh, two wins this this week, UCF and BYU, two important wins for the Sooners after they had a three-game losing streak. Uh, you know, of course, it's not going to get any easier in the Big 12, but it was a get-right week for the Sooners. Um Skylar Van continues to be the leader of this team with Liz Scott being injured. Uh, I was impressed with her. Aubrey Jones had a double-double against BYU. Um, OU 8-5, and five, uh, but 2-0 and oh in the Big 12. Uh, they play against Cincinnati at home on Saturday, uh, noon noon game. And it's kind of interesting to see how Oklahoma's getting all the new, newcomers 
uh, to start the season, and that's what Oklahoma is doing. But a uh, big win for the Sooners. They, they really need that going into conference play. Uh, we'll see if they can work their way back into the top 25 rankings. It, it'll be a tough test with, you know, with the 8-5 and five record. They're going to have to really go on some kind of straight to get back in the top 25. But uh, we'll see how this team continues to grow. And now a team that continues to be one of the, the nation's top teams, it's, it's getting to the point now, Mason, where it's not, you know, it, we, we said this a couple of week, weeks ago, it's not if they're going to make the NCAA tournament, it's going to be where they're going to be seated. Um, Oklahoma opens Big 12 play on Saturday. Uh, you know, and I, I'm really interested to see how this team does in the Big 12 because this, of course, the Big 12, again, is going to be one of the toughest conferences in the nation. Where's Oklahoma going to find its fit in the league? Uh, are they going to take care of business at home uh, and steal a couple on the road? Uh, that's the key. You always got to do that. You always want to do that, especially in this conference. And uh, uh, what's what's impressed you the most about the Sooners going into league play? I, I think the biggest thing to, to highlight is is the growth and the progression of Otega Owe. I mean, he is, uh, there was a, a obviously you, with basketball, you sometimes have these just myriad social media rankings, but there was some sort of ranking that came out yesterday that was like, he, he he's the number two small forward in college basketball this season. And uh, you know, take that as he will, but he's been really, really good. It's he's OU's leading scorer, and it's night and day from uh, the player that he was last year to the player that he is this year. I mean, the confidence in his jump shot has uh, dramatically gone up. You know, the other night, uh, in their in their win over uh, whatever team that was, it was their last bye game. Not, I'm man, I'm, I've slept a I've slept a lot I've slept a lot since then. Um, it was it was uh it was Monmouth Monmouth yeah. their last bye game. Uh, he he started was part of starting their uh, seventeen to one run that put the game away. He had a four point play where he you know knocked down a three pointer over two guys that were jumping at him and drew the foul and went to the line and hit that and started a big run for the Sooners. I mean he's just he's so much better uh, a shooter than he was a year ago. Uh, he's been, you know, he doesn't take a ton of threes, but his percentage on those has been impeccable. And he's still doing all the the other stuff that he already gave you. You know, he's just crazy athletic. He gets a ton of steals and turns those into dunks and layups and transition. So uh, he's a big piece for them, and and they're going to need to to keep it going. Obviously, number eleven uh, in the in the nation right now, taking on a, a, a twelve and one, taking on an eleven and two Iowa State team on Saturday night, and Iowa State. As third nationally uh, in in total defense, they're holding opponents to less than sixty points a game on average. And what's crazy is that's actually second in the Big Twelve. Houston is first nationally in the, in that in that regard. So if that tells you anything about how tough the league is, and uh, OU is you know getting one of the the, the better teams in the league in Iowa State uh, right off the bat at Lloyd Noble Center, five p.m. tip off on Saturday. You know, and the, the key for Oklahoma, I think, and we saw it after the North Carolina game against Central Arkansas and Monmouth, is you can't play down to your competition. You have to really put four, together 40 minutes of basketball. And we saw Oklahoma kind of, it's almost like playing with your food a little bit, just kind of keeping them in the game, keeping them in the game, and then decided, okay, we got to turn it on. I think that's something that Oklahoma can't afford to do in Big 12 play. Uh I'm looking forward, and, and I hope it, you know, as, as a sports writer, it just gives us more things to write about. 
I'm hoping that Oklahoma can get past these first two games to set up a final trip to Allen Fieldhouse as a top 10 school on a Saturday afternoon on national TV and um, or on ESPN Plus. I thought that was a national televised game, but I'm hoping for a big game on a, on, on, on a week from Saturday. But of course, Oklahoma uh, has to take care of business. They have to take care of business against Iowa State and TCU. Uh, first road game in a while, I guess, true road game. Have they had a true road game this year? When you think about it, when they they go to TCU, I guess Carolina would be considered a road game, but it wasn't on campus. Is that right? Not on campus. Supposedly <laughs> billed as a neutral site. Yeah. Road, highly scoffed at that. <laughs> yeah, that'll be, yeah, that'll be Oklahoma's first true road game. That's crazy when you think about it. Um, 13 games into the season. Uh, next, is it Tuesday next week? Uh, yeah, next Wednesday. That'll be their first road game. And I guess it's good to have a road game out of your way before you go to Allen Fieldhouse, even though it's I can I can assure you uh TCU's campus and home game is not gonna be anything like Allen Fieldhouse in a couple of weeks. No, but as you said, you know, a good a good experience nonetheless. They've gotten to play in front of the home crowd a lot this year. And the biggest piece of adversity they faced was that North Carolina game. With that being in Charlotte, that was still, even though not on campus in Chapel Hill, that was a very hostile crowd and uh, the kind of the same kind of thing that you you would have to be prepared for walking in to play Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse. So they've had that experience, and, and I I think that the the TCU will just you know add another layer to that. They may not be you know as 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 prestigious a program or have as rowdy as, as fans but just the the rhythm of a road game in the middle of the week during the big 12 season just feeling that out knowing what that's like for the first time I think is going to be key next week we'll talk a lot more I bet about that OU Kansas game and we appreciate it if you did come back and listen to us next week uh, Mason and I we're not slowing down we're still covering a lot of uh, a lot of interesting topics surrounding Oklahoma athletics especially football softball is getting ready to start up uh mason you do have a story coming up again about um well break down your story a little bit about a certain linebacker who we can't write enough about sure sure i mean everybody wants to read some more about danny stutzman right uh, <laughs> we'll have a story on him probably uh either this afternoon or tomorrow morning on tulsaworld.com and in in uh tomorrow's tulsa world paper it's uh it's just kind of a year in review of what what the growth and leadership and maturity that Danny Stutzman made. And it all started with a, a conversation and a, a question he asked of another uh, notable OU linebacker, uh, one that's quite legendary in, in OU circles. And uh, so we'll have more on that kind of breaking down some of uh, Danny Stutzman's points of growth this season. All right. Well, Mason, we'll talk next week. Everyone out there, appreciate you listening. Happy 2024. And uh, everything online, TulsaWorld.com. Continue to read us, and we'll continue to put out good work. Appreciate it. Everyone have a good week.